The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about the heart and the the spirit that's in this church. You can feel it. You know, I get to travel and I'm a part and get to see a lot of churches and just feel there's a real touch of God on this congregation and on this church. And I feel that I feel that the Lord is saying to you this morning that behold I do a new thing. The old is gone and the new is beginning. And the Holy Spirit says, do not lose heart. Do not become weary in well-doing. But God says, it's time to rise up with a fresh confidence. It's time to rise up with a fresh, and this is the key word, a fresh freedom. And God is saying to you as a church this morning that what the enemy intended for evil, God says he is turning it for the good. And God says a light will shine from out of this congregation that will truly impact this community, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And I really feel in my spirit that you will, God has given you a mantle of restoration where you will restore what has been broken and you will restore what has been taken down and you will, be, you will restore what even government cannot bring hope to and you will come with answers that are supernatural in the origin. And God says, do not hesitate, do not uh, falter, uh, do not hold back. But God says, surely the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and abides within you and he has quickened you and he has anointed you and he has empowered you and he has commissioned you and he has raised you up. And some of you, he has taken you from the darkest places and he is causing everything that the enemy intended for evil in your history to actually take back ground in his kingdom and in his plans and in his purposes across this beautiful part of Sydney. And I say that to you to give Jesus all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because his church is rising and his church is the hope of the earth and his church is bringing life and his church is bringing hope. And I've come to declare to you that the greatest days of the church of Jesus Christ are not behind us, but they are ahead of us in Jesus' name. Let's give him a shout out and let's give him glory and let's give him honor and let's give him praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know what I love about Jesus is he loves to get into people's worlds. We serve a God this morning that is not sitting on a throne looking at a distance. We serve a God that engages with people. We serve a God that is actively engaging with people across the planet right now. You see, we are limited to one time, one place, one moment. But we serve a God that is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is all seeing. He is all hearing. There is nothing that ever God misses. You know, I love Superman. I know it's hard to believe, but he is my favorite superhero. And I think Marvel rocked it when they created Superman. And when you see Superman flying through the air, there's this phenomenon that Superman struggles with. As you, you know what I'm saying? He hears the cries of people all across the world and he responds. And every time I see that, my heart just thinks, I think that's what God's like. 
like he hears the heart and the cry of people like Superman does and he, and he runs and he responds to the heart cry of people. And I love the fact that I know right now my God, your God, our God, the God of the church of Jesus Christ hears the heart of people. The Bible says his ear is not deaf that he cannot hear. Neither are his eyes closed that he can't see. And his mouth is not dumb that he can't speak and he can't respond. And throughout the life of Jesus Christ, we see there was a precedence that Jesus created that had never been seen before in Israel's relationship with God. For many, many years, Israel served a God that was at a distance and that he was beyond a veil. And he sat within a thing called the Ark of the Covenant and he sat within the Holy of Holies. And if you don't know what I mean, you need to just read the first five books of, of the Old Testament and you will see how God communicated and related with humanity was, was confined because man had been separated from God. This is a very brief synopsis, but because of the failure of Adam and Eve to live according to the guidelines that God had put in place. So God found another way. Aren't you glad this morning that God found another way? I am so glad that God didn't go, I'm give up on humanity, I'll just create another stratosphere, hemisphere, universe, and I'll start again. But God found another way, and he found another way through, through grace and, and, and hope and, and, and faith and so many things. But God created a way that man could communicate with him through the Ark of the Covenant. But the thing was, the high priest could only go in once a year, and if he went in, he had to have a rope attached to his ankle just in case he hadn't done the preparation process correctly, and he would literally die in the Ark of the, by the Ark of the Covenant, and they'd have to drag him out. Now, the Bible doesn't say that that ever happened, but who knows? But that's how God communicated and related to man and woman. But, you know, Jesus set the precedence. A new era began, and it was the era of grace. Israel had lived under the era of law, but there was one man, actually just a sideline, who actually was like my tutors in Bible college. They used to call him the man of grace living in the time of law, and that was David who had an understanding of God's abundant love for him. He was a prophet and a forerunner to the, to the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, he was his great, 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 great grandfather. But you know what? Jesus started to walk the face of the earth and he started to touch humanity. And no longer was God a distant figure. God became man. God became flesh and dwelt among us and his name was Jesus Christ. And he began to mix and he began to mingle and he began to emerge and integrate himself amongst humanity. And he took on the human flesh, took on humanity, took on humanness. And it was tempted in every area like us, but the Bible says he was without sin. Aren't you glad that Jesus was prepared to give up everything he had so he could meet you? You see, Jesus came with one mission and one mission alone. He said, I have not come to the whole but he said, I have come to the broken. He said, I have come to those who are downcast and those who are weak and those who are tired and those who are weary and those who are ravaged with sickness and disease. And I have come to those who suffer with mental illness. And I have come to those who are caught in prostitution. And I have come to those that are caught full of addictions. 
I have come to those who are broken and isolated and alone. And I have come to those who do not even know that I exist, but I love them with an everlasting love. Therefore, the Bible says, I have drawn them to myself. I've come today to tell you, church, of the Holy Spirit right now, whether we know it, whether we're aware of it, whether we see it, is drawing humanity to his, himself. And in doing that, he is drawing them still to Jesus Christ. So Jesus loved to be with people, and Jesus is here today to visit you. I tell you again, Jesus is here today to visit you. He is here today to have an encounter with you that will radically change your life forever. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, wants to make an impact here this morning. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, wants to cause us to have an impact beyond the walls of this church. The question I have for you today, building out of the foundation I've just laid is, the fact that Jesus wants to integrate and merge and become a part of our lives and a part of the universe and the world that we live in is this question. What happens when Jesus visits your house? You see, throughout Jesus' ministry, you see, in my ministry life, and my husband and I have, who's not here with me this morning, he's actually um, in another church currently and looking after a service for that church. And he apologizes that he couldn't be here this morning. He would have been here, but he's coming this afternoon to be a part of the training. You know, when, um, when my husband, um, I just forgot what I was going to say. What did I just say? See, I was thinking about my husband and I just lost my train of thought. I just got a little bit woesome and, oh, and by the way, let's talk about English humor. Oh, he's got a second mic. Anyone seen the movie Hunt for the Wilder People? That's the best humor. That's Kiwi humor. And if you can't tell, that, that's my homeland. That's my homeland, Aotearoa. What was I just saying? Okay, let's, Jesus wants to come to your house today. Jesus wants to come in and be a part of your world today. Jesus loved to visit people's homes. Jesus loved to find himself sitting around people's tables. Jesus loved to get involved in people's worlds. I know what I was going to say. Over my ministry life um, and over my time, my husband and my family, where we've been serving God's house since I've been serving in ministry since I was 17 years of age. And there's one thing that I have always tried to do is model my life according to the life of Christ. You see, he is the builder of the church. And so I think that how Jesus lived his life on earth is exactly what I should be replicating in my life. And if there's one thing I see about the life of Christ is he was very, very, very involved with people who weren't involved with him. Jesus made it his priority to find himself in places that were not comfortable and where God had not visited yet. This morning when I talk about homes, I'm going to use this word homes metaphorically and I'm going to talk about hearts. You see, now Jesus, when he visits homes, he doesn't visit our home, I believe his Holy Spirit's there with us, who is part of the tri Trinity. 
But when Jesus visits us, the Bible says he visits our heart. And Jesus wants to do a work in our heart. He wants to do a work in our lives. And Jesus wants to engage continually with us in our hearts. There are many houses or homes and hearts that Jesus visited over his ministry. I'm going to look at some of those homes and those people in their lives quickly. I want to talk about people called, the man called Zacchaeus. I want to talk about the person called Simon the leper. I want to talk about the home of the ruler. And I want to talk about the home of Martha. I believe Jesus was one of the most intentional evangelists that the world has ever seen. He was a man that was interested in the multitudes, but he was a man that was interested in the one. The multitudes were no more important than the one. And we see that in John 4, where Jesus was on his way and uh, he was heading in a direction and the Pharisees and the disciples were arguing over numbers. Well, who has the most followers? Who has the most disciples? And, and Jesus just went, you know what? I've actually had enough of this. And the Bible says clearly that he decided to go away and go another way. And interestingly enough, in John 1, he found the one. And it was like he was saying, you know what? Numbers are great, but they're not actually that important. It's the one that I really want. So he placed himself in people's homes because he understood that if we bring the one, we bring the multitudes. Because one is connected to two, who's connected to four, who's connected to eight, and the multitudes, and it begins to grow what God is wanting to do across this part of Sydney. You see, Zacchaeus, his life was this. He was a tax collector. We see this in Luke 19. He was a tax collector, not at all a popular person in this society, not at all. Despised. You don't want to be the friend of a tax collector because it's not a good rep. Not given a wage. People weren't given wages from these people. They were charged extra. So the tax collectors were fraudulent. They would charge more than what they needed. They would pocket. They were dishonest. They were liars. They were thieves. Zacchaeus lived in a beautiful city. It was Jericho. And historically, it was the most affluent, beautiful city. In, in this time, in this era that Jesus lived, he decided all of a sudden he wanted to see Jesus. I'm telling you right now, there are people globally across this nation, across the city Sydney, across North Parramatta that want to see Jesus. And I know that your Christian brain goes, oh no, no one's really wanted to know about my faith for years. I've never engaged in a Christian conversation about my faith for years. Well, I want to tell you right now an interesting statistic before we move on is this. Alpha have just done a survey, and they have found that 49% of Australians actually want to have a spiritual conversation. How many Zacchaeuses are out there that are about to make a decision, I am going to find out about Jesus Christ? Potentially one and two. Do you think that people's hearts are closing to spirituality? Think again. Did you know right now that there is an unprecedented amount of Alpha courses in Australia? We have never seen so many Alpha courses in Australia right now as we have ever seen in the 27 years of Alpha history. Did you know that there is no other nation on the planet that has seen a 48% increase in Alpha courses in the last 18 months? London 
is watching Australia. They have never seen this. Do you know right now we have more Alpha courses running in Australia than Singapore, than Malaysia? We have more Alpha courses running in Australia than any other nation in Asia Pacific. Come on, let's give God a shout out. God's Holy Spirit is moving on the hearts of Australians right now. This is our time. He climbs a tree. Jesus wasn't intending to stay in Jericho at that time. He was passing through, but Jesus stopped. Jesus sees him and he asks him, would you allow me to come to your house for dinner? Do you understand what Jesus was doing when he decided to say to this tax collector, can I come to your house? Jesus was putting his reputation on the line. He was putting his journeys on the line. He was putting his time on the line. He was putting so much on the line, but he understood the power of the one. And the story goes on that he goes and he visits Zacchaeus and people were angry that he would associate with Zacchaeus. People were upset. Um, they were confused. But Jesus still went to someone's house. The ruler's house, Matthew 9. The ruler pleads with Jesus in faith that even though his daughter is dead, she will come to life if he just comes to his house. You see, there is something about allowing Jesus Christ to enter into our hearts, allowing the Holy Spirit to have full access to our hearts. You know, as Christians, we are in grave danger because we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to access our heart. You see, we can do what we do, and we can do what we do because we do it all so well. But there is power when the Holy Spirit invades our hearts and when he infuses something of his anointing afresh into our hearts. You know, there is not one day where I don't go, and I can say this, without doing communion and without engaging my heart afresh again with the Holy Spirit because I know without him, I have, I, I am, there's nothing good within me. I am wretched, I am lost, I am sinful, I am, I am man, I am human, I am woman, but with him I have, can do all things. He is the one that makes me come alive and, and gives me the power to live my life. Jesus goes to his house to find the child dead, surrounded by, by paid mourners, creating a noise and a din. There are some people in here and you believe that what you had in God is dead. What you had in, in God, your business, your children who are not with God, or, or your aspirations to be on the mission field or to be called to ministry, or your neighbor, you've tried to bring them to faith, but there's things in your life that have become dead. But I want to tell you today that Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is going to invade your house. And he is going to bring dead things to life in the name of Jesus. And you are going to have an encounter. And some of you have mourners sitting in your home continually reminding you of the things that have died. And Jesus is going to visit your home and he is going to do what he did in the scripture. And he said to the mourners, would you mind leaving the house? And there's going to be a new voice in your heart. There's going to be a new anointing in your spirit that's going to cause you to come to life in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's actually fun? Whoa, I love that. You know, I love the fact that God's alive. And you know what? I love the fact that, you know, we can hit the wall and we can go through tough times. But there is a Jesus that continually wants to visit our hearts and bring life and wants to bring freedom, and wants to bring hope. He doesn't want to judge. He doesn't want to condemn. He doesn't want to tell you what you're not. He always want to tell, tells you who you are. 
So he goes to Simon the leper's house and Jesus' ministry at this time, let me tell you, was coming to an end and I believe he knew that and he understood that. And the chief priests at this time, the Bible says, were plotting to kill him. You know, one thing is Jesus is not afraid of everything the enemy wants to throw at us. You know, I can speak for this personally in my own life. You know, I think I've been in and probably still in one of the biggest battles and seasons of spiritual warfare in my life. But I know God knows the battle and he knows what's going on and he's way more powerful than anything the enemy intends for evil in our lives. And at this, at this place, this woman comes and she takes this alabaster box and she pours the oil over him. This alabaster box, as you know, was incredibly valuable and it cost this woman so much money. She pours it over his feet and then the religious and people became angry at his apparent lack of resourcefulness and they judged him and they criticized him and they devalued the sacrifice and the love that this woman had poured out upon Jesus Christ. No one really knows who this woman was. Some, some theologians and some Bible scholars believe it was the woman that was caught in adultery where Jesus drew the line in the sand and he started to write and he started to write stories and the, all the Pharisees and the Sadducees cleared pretty fast because I don't know what he was writing, but I think he was writing something that was maybe enlightening the Pharisees to their need of him. And that story, you know, I do believe personally, I believe that Jesus' heart when he wrote in that sand was not to judge. I believe when Jesus wrote in that sand, his heart was to bring those people, those Pharisees, those Sadducees into relationship with him because God is always a God of grace. Jesus told these people who were criticizing him to stop. This is a woman who was going to be spoken of all over the world. God has people in this part of the world that he is calling by name. You do not know what sits in front of a television screen in North Parramatta right now. We do know not, not what or who is sitting at McDonald's right now and having breakfast. We could be talking about next Billy Grahams. We could be talking about people who are going to go into nations and revolutionize nations and bring hope and life. You see, only God knows the future of people who are living without him right now. But God has a plan for every human on the face of the planet. And then last this morning, Martha's house. Jesus visited Martha's house in Luke 10. Jesus came into an unnamed village where a woman called Martha received him into her home. Key word here is she received him in. You see, Jesus isn't going to push his way into your life and he's not going to push his way into the life of unsafe people that live in your community right now. Jesus is the ultimate gentleman. Mary, Martha, Mary and Martha, they sat at Jesus' feet. Sorry, Mary sat at Jesus' feet. But Martha was so busy and she was running and she was doing and, and doing all that she wanted to do and busy, busy, busy. But she was over-occupied. She was too stressed, too busy. She was too distracted. And sometimes life can be like that. You know, we're so distracted we forget that Jesus is in our house. Oh, there are some times when the Holy Spirit has grabbed my heart. And I feel his heart breaking. And he's just like, you know what? When are you, when are you gonna talk to me again? 
When are you going to take time for me? I'm waiting. And the ultimate gentleman, the person of the Holy Spirit, just sits. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. And I want to say to you this morning, church, this is your moment to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit in him saying, would you just make time for me today? Would you not just rush out the door this morning and run away from me? And I know you're busy, but I just want one moment of your time. Because he's saying, I do this all the time when I preach. This is not about you. Because he's saying this morning, there is a world that is screaming out for God to visit their houses. There is a world right now that is ravaged with pain and anguish and depression and negativity and anxiety and mental health disorders and poverty and and, and incredible darkness and marital breakdowns and relationship breakdowns. We have a crisis right now across our nation of gender identity where young men and young women are being challenged all the time to make decisions that are beyond their years. We need to be influencing the LGBT community in a way that God would influence them. We need to be making inroads people into different areas of society right now in ways like we've never done before because we have got to get into the hearts and the houses of people like Jesus did. You see, we can sit in the house of the Lord and that is awesome and that is amazing. And Jesus modeled that. He spent time in the synagogue. He was found in the synagogue, but he did not stay in the synagogue. He went into the houses. He went into the highways and he went into the byways and he found the hearts of people and he restored hope. Just in closing here this morning, I just want to tell you this, that when he went to Zacchaeus's house, there was criticism, there was complaining, there was theft, there was muttering, there was judgment, there was legalism. When he went to the ruler's house, there was mocking, there was jeering, there was dishonesty, there was doubt, there was foolishness, there was death, and there was wrong speech. When he went to the home of Simon the leper, there was criticism again, and there was pride. Religion is pride. Religion just tells everyone that you're just not quite good enough And when you're ready to act like I act, then maybe I'll let you in. Oh dear God, help us. If that is us, then we better get on our knees and fall on our faces until God gives us a heart like Jesus had. You see, we want people to behave right first. Then we say to them, if you behave right, if you dress right, if you act right, if you drop your homosexual tendencies or if you drop your your nighttime job, then you can come to church or then you can come to Alpha or then you can come into our house. But Jesus, and then once you've done that, yeah, you can become a Christian. And then once you become a Christian, oh yeah, you can belong with this house. But Jesus, through his lifestyle, the way he lived in his ministry, he said, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, people always belong then we bring them to a faith and trust in Christ. And then their behavior will change. This is the heart of the gospel. So Martha was busy. She was overoccupied. She was way too distracted. She was angry. She was stressed and she was casting blame. But in Revelation 3, we see that beautiful scripture, the scripture of the heart, the scripture of house, house talk, meal talk, food talk, abiding, relational talk. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone, anyone 
who hears and listens to and listens to my voice and opens the door. The Bible says, I will come in and I will eat with him and I will eat with them. Sorry, I will eat with him and he will eat with me. You see, when Jesus came to people's houses, this is what happened. And this, could the musicians just come as I close? Are you doing all right this morning, church? Awesome. You know, I, I, when Jesus comes to houses, hearts, he doesn't bring harshness and doesn't bring legalism and he doesn't bring judgment and he doesn't bring condemnation. He brings the challenge to change but it always comes out of a grace. See, I've got a great friend, Cy Rogers, and some of you will know him. He's a dear friend of my husband and I, and we have had a very, the great honor of journeying with him over our ministry life. And uh, I've had some wonderful conversations with Cy, and as you know, it would be, you could not have anything but wonderful conversations with Cy Rogers if you know him. Cy was the first uh, gay man to be a best man at a, at a gay wedding in the United States. God radically got a hold of his life. God radically changed his life and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ visited his heart. And I said to him, Sai, how? How did your life change so dramatically? And he said to me, when I met Jesus, I just felt loved. And he said, Rachel, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to be loved. And he said to me, Rachel, I just love Jesus more than I loved my lifestyle. You know what? If we can just show people love and acceptance and hope and the truth of the Word of God, everything changes. And the changes look like this. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' life changed. He received salvation. The Bible says, then he received joy. Then he received acceptance. He brought justice back. And provision came to so many people's lives. When Jesus entered the house and the heart of the ruler, resurrection life came to that house. Freedom from the cynic came to that house. Faith talk came to that house. He removed the mourners and he brought in the disciples and he brought in the faith talk. Authority came to that house. Joy came to that house. And death was defeated. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to visit my heart. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to visit the hearts of men and women, children, teenagers, young adults across North Parramatta. Anyone with me? With the home of Simon the leper. Come on, let's praise Jesus. Come on, yeah, come on, clap. Home of Simon the leper. What came to that house? of legalism and religion and fighting over money, fighting over the details that Jesus wasn't even really concerned about. He just was looking at the heart, came worship, promotion and blessings. And at the home of Martha came this relationship, wisdom, intimacy, commitment, perspective, peace and reconciliation. I want Jesus to daily visit my home. 
I want Jesus to daily visit my heart. I want Jesus to visit my friends. I want Jesus to visit my neighbor. I want Jesus to visit my high school friends. I want Jesus to visit my university. I want Jesus to visit my workplace. I want Jesus to visit this government. I want Jesus to visit the police force of this area. I want Jesus to visit hospitals. I want Jesus to visit um, psychiatric institutions. I want Jesus to visit drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. I want Jesus to visit our preschools. I want Jesus to visit your life so that you can be empowered to take Jesus with you into the hearts and into the lives of people around about you. You see, when Jesus visited Martha and she made time for him and she's made time and Mary made time to sit with him, they did not know what was pending in their life. But their brother Lazarus was about to die. They did not know. But you know, because they allowed Jesus to visit their lives, when everything they knew and loved lost and collapsed, they knew who to call. And when they called on him, he came. And he brought wholeness and life and healing into that situation. And I close with this thought. If you ask Jesus into your heart and into your life and into your home, you do not know what waits on the other side of your decisions with people around about you. So this morning, just briefly and quickly, if you're here this morning and your life is not in relationship with Jesus Christ, you're away from Him. You're away from Him. The Bible says your heart is cold to Him. He hasn't visited your home. Or you may even say, look, I know I'm backslidden. If you could see my life, if you could see the way I'm living, you would actually freak out. No, I wouldn't. Because we're all fallen. But Jesus took it to the cross and he conquered it. And all he asked was for us to admit that we had done wrong. He would forgive us and give us the strength to overcome our failures. Or you may be here and you don't even know who Jesus Christ is. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed? You may not even know who Jesus Christ is. And you're here, someone brought you here or you heard something and you decided to come in, or you just thought, you know what, I probably need to get myself to church today. I want to pray with you. I want to introduce you to this person called Jesus Christ. He's not going to be here, of course. The Bible says if you pray and ask Him for forgiveness, He will come into your life and He'll make all things new. So what I would ask you to do is I just want to see your hand. If you just put up your hand, I'll see your hand. And I'm just going to quickly pray a prayer together. We're all going to pray. And we're going to lead you back or into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. So if that's you, just quickly pop up your hand. And I'll see your hand. I'll acknowledge it. Thank you, ma'am. Is there anyone else here this morning? Thank you, sir. You're saying, I just need to get my life right. It's okay. Man, we do this. I do this on a regular basis. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Bless you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Two people. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. God loves you. God loves you. That young man that you just raised your hand, you looked at me, your past is not going to dictate to your future. God is going to restore what you thought was lost forever. Restore it back to you. Anyone else? Awesome love that. Church, can we just stand together? Can we just stand? Let's just pray together. Let's just pray. There's three, four people that have raised their hands. Let's just pray. 
Dear Jesus, you pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. On the third day, you rose again. You did this all so I could be your friend. I admit that I have done things wrong, that I have lived my life without you. I ask you to forgive me, come back into my life. I choose to live for you. I choose to follow you. I now belong to God's family. Amen. Come on, church, let's thank them. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout out. You're anointing God, Jesus' name. Okay. Just in closing, I talked about God wanting to invade our hearts and be released afresh upon our lives. What I want to do now is just invite you to come to the front and I'm going to pray over whoever would like prayer. And I'm going to believe with you that there's just a fresh anointing, a fresh fire that falls upon your life to enable you and to equip you for the work of the ministry. And that whole construct scripture is basically talking about evangelism. So what I want you to do is I want you to come and we'll pray. But if you don't want to come, I guess the next step is just to release people. Or okay. If you'd like prayer, please don't hesitate to come forward. We'll stand with you. We'll pray with you. Uh, if not, obviously we're going to close the service now and you can grab a coffee, you can chat next door. But we don't want to stop here for those who want to be ministered to, those who want to be prayed for. Please don't hesitate.